It's 12.08. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hope you made it to where you had to go this morning. This giant storm that has been pounding the area kind of came out of nowhere. I don't remember seeing any weather forecasts predicting this type of weather. We are, as we do on an almost daily basis, we are going to live stream the first couple segments of the program today on our Facebook Live feature. If you go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, you can play the parlor game of did Jeff's wife dress him or did he dress himself? Now, today we're actually rocking the Packers gear. So check it out, um, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, and we'll do the first couple segments as we typically do. Let me just start off by what candidly, it was an incredibly stupid thing for the president to say. And, and again, I I understand that he is frustrated with the pace of the Russian investigation. And I understand that in some cases he feels a need to lash out at people who are his opponents. But every once in a while he says stuff which is just staggeringly stupid. And he needs to be called out when he does that. Paul Manafort, who was his campaign chairman for a brief period of time, is on trial. Matter of fact, the jury is deliberating in the Manafort case in um, Virginia. Manafort, regardless of whether he's convicted or not in connection with this case, he's also going to be going on trial for similar type of charges in the District of Columbia, D.C., federal court there. Um, what The reason there's two trials is that Manafort asked these cases to be separated instead of put t- together. The, the charges do not involve anything to do with when Paul Manafort was working with the Trump campaign. So it really... Other than the fact that this was a guy who was associated with President Trump, it it really has nothing to do at at all with the Trump campaign. What happened is Manafort was a lobbyist for the guy who, who, who ran the Ukraine, and he was getting a ton of money. He didn't pay taxes on the money. Now, I understand the jury is deliberating on all the various charges, but at least from the presentation of evidence offered by the prosecution, it's pretty clear what happened. The man made millions of dollars in income. He funneled it to a variety of offshore companies in order to hide it from the IRS. When the money dried up after the guy, the president of the UK, Ukraine, was, was forced to leave, what happened is Manafort wanted to maintain his lifestyle and he fudged and forged or caused people to forge different types of things in order to get loans to maintain his lifestyle. At the end of the day, now, again, I, I'm i actually, other than the fact that there are just thousands of documents introduced, I am surprised that it's taken the jury this long to reach a verdict. I, I actually thought they'd have one quicker. My guess is they're going to have one soon. But there's a lot of counts. There's a lot of stuff to go through. So there'll, there'll be some time. I, I still think my guess is you get a verdict by the end of today. And my guess is he's going to be found guilty on most, probably all of the counts against him. Because if you listen to the testimony and you follow the case and you look at the records, it's pretty clear that this guy is at the high end of the, the tax cheat level, but he's just a tax cheat. That that's 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 what he is. And and the evidence of that, at least in my opinion, appears to be overwhelming. So President Trump, before he's heading to New York for the weekend, he decides to offer some commentary to reporters. And he decides to comment while the jury is still deliberating on the Manafort case. 
He says, I think the whole Manafort trial is very true, is very sad. When you look at what's going on, I think it's a very sad day for our country. Huh. It's a very sad day for our country that somebody can hide hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars from the IRS, not pay his taxes, fill out false bank statements in order to, uh, again, keep the gravy train rolling, and his prosecution is a very sad day for the country. There's nothing sad about Paul Manafort being prosecuted because, again, I don't know what a jury's going to do, but if you follow this trial at all, the guy is a tax cheat, pure and simple. So anyhow, the president says, I think the whole Manafort trial is so very sad. When you look at what's going on, I think it's a very sad day for our country. He worked for me for a short period of time, but you know what? He happens to be a very good person. Hmm. Well, okay, Mr. President, here's the bottom line. See, good people do bad things, and bad people do good things. The question in a criminal case isn't, is he a good person or is he a bad person? Does he, you know, like his wife? Is he, you know, great to the poor? The question is, did he commit a crime? And at least based on the presentation, it's pretty obvious. No sympathy for Paul Manafort. And then the president continues, I think it's very sad what they've done to Paul Manafort. My interpretation of the last couple weeks was that there's nothing that anybody has done to Paul Manafort except Paul Manafort. And why the President of the United States has decided to, I don't know, say it's a sad day and, and line up on the side of a guy who I, I think probably you know, cheated the United States out of a lot of money and tax dollars and committed bank fraud and all those things, that this is not somebody who is worthy of being felt sad for. There's all sorts of people who get caught up in the criminal justice system for a variety of reasons that maybe you could say, oh, this is kind of a sad outcome or it's unfortunate that this happened. Paul Manafort is not somebody that you want to have too much sympathy for. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about what happened on the freeway this morning and what is happening downtown on an almost daily basis. Stick around. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner of WTMJ. Once again, if you want to see what the studio looks like, we are live streaming on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. It's 1214. 217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Well, this is kind of one of those unintended consequences. You know who it is apparent are now turning out to be the real beneficiaries of the downtown streetcar, you know, Tom Barrett's trolley to nowhere? Well, it, it's it's not, of course, people in the city of Milwaukee because nobody's going to ride it. It's certainly not taxpayers in this area who are, particularly if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you're going to end up paying lots and lots of money to operate this thing. So it's not the taxpayers. It's not the riders because there's not going to be too many riders. Who are the people that are benefiting for from this streetcar? Well, all right, you, you get three guesses, but the first two don't count. It, it's now apparent. It is personal injury attorneys. You know, the, the folks that end up suing people when other people get injured through negligence. Story. This is the, Now, keep in mind, nobody has yet ridden on the streetcar. The streetcar is not open yet for business. And now you've had the second person already who has either filed a claim or filed a lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee because they have been injured as a result of the streetcar tracks. 
Now, here's apparently what happened, and this is the way today's TMJ4 reports this. A lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee is pending after a, a woman who happens to be an MPS teacher fell off her bike while riding over the streetcar tracks, according to her lawyer, Supi and Abraham. Um, she's the second biker to work with the law firm after being injured when her bike tire was wedged between the street and the rail, causing a crash. Um, apparently, what happened is she was... She was riding on a bicycle that had five-inch tires. Now, my understanding is that this bicycle was one that she was one of those like rental bikes, like those boobler bikes that you, you get that we are encouraging people to get. So she's riding on one of those. The tires are apparently too thin. Um, and if you try to cross the streetcar tracks, the streetcar tracks will mess with them. Woman fractured both elbows and one rib while riding the particular bike and as a result you know she's she's had to you know she's lost some time apparently what happened ogden avenue between franklin and prospect she took one of the boobler bikes out on a ride so this is the bikes that we are encouraging people in the city to ride following a bike path she says she ran out of path and was then trapped by the streetcar rails she said she had no choice but to ride parallel to the lines right next to one of the streetcar platforms. She said, in an effort to maneuver left off the track, my tire got stuck. From there, her ribs hit the handlebars, her arms break her fall. The lawyers are are making a a claim against the city, but they're saying, you now have this dangerous um, situation that's there. And this is the second person already that has been injured by trying to ride a bicycle through the city and navigate these streetcar tracks. Now, the streetcar is aware that the streetcar tracks are dangerous for pedestrians and for bicyclists. And so they've got this website that essentially says, well, we've got some tips as to, you know, how you can avoid this. But basically, the, the safety tips are, um, you know, stay away from these things and, and don't cross them. Or if you're going to cross them, cross them at 90-degree angles. You already have two people who are injured and you don't have a streetcar that is riding yet. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this going to be an ongoing problem? Are we going to continue to have stories like this? Is this just an example of one or two people who don't know how to deal with the streetcar tracks, who just freak accidents, Or is this going to be something that is going to regularly occur unless we can figure out ways to keep the bicyclists away from the streetcar tracks or make the streetcar tracks more safe, which I don't know how you can do. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, to me, is another one of these examples of why this is classic Tom's Trolley Folly. We are encouraging People to, again, use alternative methods. And my guess is there's a heck of a lot more bicyclists that are going to be riding through the streets of Milwaukee than are ever going to be riding this silly streetcar line. And now you've got these people taking their lives into their own hands as they try to cross and to try to navigate the track. And this, I'm sorry to say, is just going to be the tip of the iceberg because I think you're going to start seeing this happen more and more. And then you're also going to have the inevitable problems when the streetcar has to interact with pedestrians and has to interact with, um, again, the uh, the pedestrians and then uh, cars. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction, is this 
is this going to go away or is this just the tip of the iceberg? Are we going to see more claims about this? 414-799-1620. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Rue is lining up the calls. We will discuss, like I say, I think, um, I think this is guaranteed employment for the city attorney's office because my guess is you're going to see lots of litigation. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, this is the second bicyclist who's filed a claim against the city as a result of accidents on the streetcar track. Last month, there was a guy, his bicycle apparently slipped on the tracks as he was riding home from work. He shattered his ankle um, and been on crutches for four weeks. There's also a claim a motorcyclist filed a lawsuit. He said he was thrown off his bike when his front tire became wedged in the tracks near Water Street and St. Paul Avenue. So, this is an ongoing sort of thing. Streetcar's not even running, and already you have multiple claims. David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you know, what's really sad is that once the streetcar is running, you're going to have some real major issues because people are not going to be used to, you know, having literally a streetcar down the road, A. B, there's potential of where somebody could, and like in other cities where the streetcar could run somebody over, which means you're going to have a much bigger lawsuit than what you're already seeing currently. And number three, when the winter when the winter months come around, that's only going to spell more disaster between accidents and other things. This thing is going to be an absolute travesty for the city as far as lawsuits and, and maintenance issues. Mm-hmm. It's just it's going to get much worse. It's just a preview of what's to come. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I have a text from somebody who says, "Okay, keep in mind, you know, you've got the, you've got all these riders, these bike high, motorcycle riders that are going to be coming into town for Harley's, you know, 115th anniversary. Yep. Just imagine what that's going to be when you have these motorcyclists they are having to navigate these slippery streetcar tracks. Um, it, it the the potential for bad things happening is just it's just incredible. It goes it goes up exponentially, and and there's a reason why you know when you have regular uh, railroad tracks, there's a reason why they have railroad crossings, so they don't have people you know driving around on it and everything else. Right, and and, and the same thing here. The only difference is that it's it's actually in the road. Um, and you know, it's right. The, the a, bicycles, right. The bicycles have to interact with these things. You, you, you yeah. have to, right. And you're supposed to cross at a 90 degree angle, but still at some point in time, you got to get to that 90 degree angle that that's there, right. You have like the motorcycles and you have the bicycles that are either riding parallel and slip or trying to cross and the wheels get caught in them. It's, uh, and these these are like the boobler bikes. This is what this last one. This is the thing that we're supposed to be encouraging everybody to ride. Well, the lady's riding one of those, and the answer some people are saying, well, maybe the tires are too narrow. Well, that's what the bikes are for, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah. Now it's now thanks for it's it is just it is just a potential mess. There's no question about it. Let's take a quick break. Back with do I am I late? I'm dragging a break. Right? No, I'm I'm caught up. I am caught up. Okay, good enough. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Shane in Milwaukee. Shane, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Long time listener. Thanks. What do you think? Um, you know, this is really complex. You know, I never really thought of uh, what the young man said before about the tracks being a uh, issue as for uh, uh, the the. Well, I should say the comparison right. between railroads having distinct crossings and that not being an issue with this. Well, I was going to say before that 
that uh, how do you mitigate something like that? I mean, can you sue someone for falling off a curb? I mean, an accident is an accident. But hindsight, what you know, what I just said, I mean, right. that is that is an issue. Right. Well, see, and, and that's you what the, have crossing. Right. Yeah. See, that that's what the the question is. And that, that's, I mean, I think going to be out there in theory. That do you create by by putting those tracks in a public thoroughfare? Um, created a hazard. Right. Do 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 you in fact create that hazard? And is the bike rider? You know, are are they being negligent? Now, again, in some cases, I think what they're saying is, hey, we're trying to cross them and we hit them and we get stuck or we slip. Um, we slip on the, the path and that's what causes us to fall. And I guess that's what's going right. to have to be decided. But this this is I mean, you the thing's not even running yet. Already you've got one motorcycle and two bicyclists who've been seriously hurt. Let me ask you this. Is that I, I, I didn't really mm-hmm. uh, think of this, but are those train tracks in designated bike lanes? I mean, if that's so, you've created an issue. Well, that yeah. is a legitimate suit, then. Well, yeah, no, thank. I mean, the the the, the tr- I mean, the, the tracks are in the middle of the street, so you know, it's you, you've got you've got cars. See, this is what this is what people. If you haven't seen how this operates, this is what it's going to be. You now have pedestrians, bicyclists, cars, and this trolley. That are all going to be interacting at the same time on on these streets, and if you don't think that there's going to be problems, I, I'm I'm here to tell you just just wait. And again, my best indication is the thing isn't even running yet, and you already have three claims or and or lawsuits that are filed against the city. It is in fact the tip of the iceberg. And if I'm the city, I'm trying to take a step back and say, okay. What do we need to do? Maybe is there something we can do even in the next month or so? Maybe it involves some black tie. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a safety engineer. I just know that it's not necessarily a good idea to do this type of thing. This is what happens when you put in tracks in the city of Milwaukee and expect pedestrians and cars and bicyclists and motorcyclists to interact with it. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WPMJ, the first preseason action of 2018 for Aaron Rodgers and an important series for the crew this weekend in St. Louis. Greg Matzik will break it all down for you. Tune in this evening at Sports Central. It starts at 6.07. I did not see any of the Packers game last night. Listen to the last quarter on the radio because um, my wife and I, with some very dear friends, went to Zoo Alacarte. And it was, it was actually, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We got to feast with the beasts and kind of wandered around. And they had a, a band that was uh, kind of a Beatles knockoff. And then there was a guy who was doing Neil Diamond songs. And we wandered around, had a lot of fun. Stayed till about nine thirty, nine forty-five. They start to close it. My my actual recommendation would be if you're going out to take advantage of Zoo a la carte, you go early enough. We got there about six, and as it starts to get darker. You, you you can't see some of the animals. But we had just a lot of fun. And uh, if that was a regular season Packer game, I might have deferred the trip. But for but it does sound like I just missed a, a great game. Um, and that's good. Hopefully that is hopefully that is the harbinger of really good things to come. All right. Speaking of things that aren't really good, we have been, of course, following the weather and following, you know, traffic issues all day. If you live or travel north of the city. Your principal way of getting in and out of the city of Milwaukee is I-43. I-43 has been under construction at various parts, but this summer, one of their big projects has been going north as you go through Glendale, and this is right by where I grew up. You have 
Green Tree Road, which crosses over the freeway. It's just a little bit north of Nicolay High School. You can see Nicolay High School to the west. That the that bridge that crosses the freeway has been being rebuilt. So you've got that going on. On top of that, you've got all this construction work earlier on. They were they're working on the the, the Good Hope um, southbound entrance ramp. So the whole area has been a mess. But right now, there's all this construction, again, around the Green Tree Road area. There was an instance. Now, it rained this morning. It it rained hard for a short period of time. Uh, But it's not like those floods we had, you know, seven or eight years ago. I mean, it it came up. It it rained. It rained hard. There's no question about it. And it's been raining off and on this morning. So we had a lot of rain fall. And I think it surprised people because you just didn't anticipate that it was going to happen. And you had some front or something just stayed and dumped a bunch of water here. But it rained fast. And what happened is the freeway right in that area of the construction around Green Tree, it, it flooded. And it flooded fast. And people got trapped in their cars. And there was this enormous backup. Well, I came through that area about 10 o'clock this morning, and by that time, the, they'd figured out a way to drain the water. They'd gotten the cars, you know, that were disabled, towed off the roads and all that. Now, it happened again a little bit after I came through because it started to rain again, and the same area flooded. I I guess at the, I should have always noticed this because I've, I've been driving this. This is how I typically go, you know, back to and from work all, most days. And, and the way the freeway is constructed in that area is it's sort of like a roller coaster at, well, you know, at, at Six Flags over America. Because what happens is as you're going south, all of a sudden the, the grade changes and you, you dip down and then you suddenly come back up. You know, it's like you drive into this little valley. Um, it's not a prolonged, it's not a slow thing. It's, I mean, you go down in the valley and then you come up all of a sudden. And I think what ended up happening is you had all this rain that poured in. You had this area that, that flooded. It quickly got submerged. And then, of course, you had all these different problems. And then it happened a second time within a couple hours. Again, I drove through that this morning and my, my initial thought was, huh, this is an interesting way to design a road where you have this sudden drop and then raise in grade, increase, you know, causing this, this valley. And candidly, my reaction, having driven it this morning, again, before the second flood, after the first flood, was this is going to happen a lot. I mean, th- this, th- this is going to happen a-, a lot with regard to this. And they either need to put in more drainage or they need to figure out a way to maybe go back and elevate the roadway. But this is the first major rain we've had since this construction was gone in. And my question is, is this going to continue to happen? And is this something, well, the DOT should have foreseen? All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I One of the frustrations I have with road construction, we all complain about the condition of the roads and things like that. But sometimes you look at some of the ways that these roads are being built, and it strikes me as, gee, foreseeable, the way the thing is constructed, that you are going to have problems. And I guess looking at this, especially after what happened this morning, it's pretty apparent to me that you've got some significant design defects or construction defects with the way this thing is being built. And maybe before they finish construction, 
maybe somebody should come up with whatever the plan B is to make sure that whenever you get some heavy rain, and I acknowledge it rained hard today, all right, but this wasn't a 100-year flood. This wasn't get Noah out to build a boat. This was a, a heavy, prolonged, intense summer rain shower. But if this is going to flood this area every time we have this, well, you're going to have flooding a dozen times a year. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you were caught in this, if you've driven this area, if you are concerned about this area, I'd be delighted to talk to you because, candidly, this is another one where I look at this and I think this is, again, just the tip of the iceberg. There's something wrong with the way this is being built for this to happen this soon. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. There was a, a genuine mess twice on I-43 this after this earlier this morning. We, we had some intense rain. I mean, again, it's not a 100-year flood. We had some intense rain, and the freeway in the area where they're doing road construction up in Glendale, it, it was underwater, and you had the freeway essentially closed for the better part of an hour. You had several cars that were swamped in this. You know, we've been playing reports of people who were trapped in this whole thing for, you know, quite a while. And I, I guess my concern about this is the way this is being built is, is you have, you, it's kind of like a roller coaster. You suddenly, you have a sudden, in, if you're going southbound, you go into this valley, you come out of it very quickly. We, we've kind of created the, this giant pothole that's there, and it looks to me like it's prone to flood. All right, do they need to do something before they finish the construction in order to make sure that this doesn't happen? Let's talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Uh, well, that that's kind of a, a a standard practice, I guess you could say, in road construction. Whenever they whenever they rebuild the road and they do the sewer laterals, they'll do the laterals first, and then underneath the sewer grates, they put this felt paper. It's kind of like um, uh, it's hard to explain. It's just a thin sheet mm-hmm. of uh, of felt to filter any spills or rocks. Right, they don't want debris. Else. They don't want debris getting into the sewer system. Yeah, they don't let the debris get in there. So now, granted, the rain did come down really fast. So when that happens, yeah, the the felt paper in there is going to hinder the water from getting into the sewer laterals, and then it's going to flood. I mean, it, it happens on side streets when they do it. So you don't think this is necessarily a problem that's going to exist after they finish the construction? No, I not 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 at all. I mean, it happened like. Um, when they were redoing the zoo interchange mm-hmm. and they were redoing um, the interchanges down by the airport, if it would flash rain like that, you'd always get standing water. Even on the side streets, that'll happen because they, you know, that that felt goes underneath the sewer cap and right. it, it, it'll trickle the water in there. But until they pull those out, then then it'll it'll float. I don't exactly know right. what you know how many gallons per minute it'll let in there when it's not in there, but when it's in there, it blocks it off. Well, I mean, thanks for coming. Now, again, I, I, that's that's what we all hope is is the case. Because, like I say, the way this has been constructed is is you now have this valley. Cars suddenly go into this little like the depression, and then they, they come up. Um, you hope that that's the case. Now, I was watching video of some of the, the water draining, and I, I didn't see. I know what you're talking about. Whether I didn't see those caps that were on it. Now, I don't know if that somebody had come in and they had to pull off the cap to get the water out, and that's how they drained it. You know, hopefully that will end up being the case. But the the bottom line of all this is, I think if you're with the if you're with the DOT, 
you know that this is a potential and you know that this is a problem. And if you're going to simply say, okay, well, it's, it's, it's all this is, is we had the, these little covers on, on the drainage and that's why, and it's going to be fine. Okay. That, that's fine. But while you're doing the work on the road, now is the time to address this as opposed to creating this recurring problem. And like I said, I just look at the, the terrain. You know, where you've got, we've created a giant pothole that is up in that area. And that's, that, this is a major way that people get to and from the city of Milwaukee. And if you're doing this construction now, now is the time to fix this. And again, if the decision is there's nothing wrong with this, nothing to see here, all it is is we had, we didn't have some felt over a particular drainage thing, and that's what's caused the backup. If you're sure about that, that's fine, but you've got to live with whatever decision that you end up making because, you know, it's it's a problem um, if you don't. Um, here's a text. Very concerned about I-43. I witnessed a driver make a U-turn on the on-ramp from Brown Deer Road in an attempt to avoid the backup. Accidents will increase. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is one of my beefs with the way we do road construction around here is how many projects have we seen that they do them? They finish them, and then two years later, we're spending millions of more dollars to redo them because there was a problem. So I'm sorry if you were caught up in this thing, and I'm especially sorry if you had people whose cars were flooded, but maybe the message is there could be a problem here. And again, if you write it off, you say there's no problem. It's just, all right, we, we had a drain blocked or whatever. We take this away, and it's all going to be fine. Great. Go with God. But if there is a problem, fix it now before you finish the construction. Is that too much to ask? 1251, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you spending your Friday afternoon with us. Uh, let's see here. Join our crew in supporting the crew on Saturday, August 25th at the Brewers Community Foundation's Hitting for the Cycle event. Together, we will conquer a beginner's bike ride that starts and ends at Miller Park, followed by a tailgate party and a matchup between the Brewers and the Pirates. Hitting for the Cycle benefits Dream Bikes, the Urban Ecology Center, UW-Milwaukee's Life Impact Program. For more information or to sign up, text the word CARE, C-A-R-E-S, to 414-799-1620. WTMJ CARES is presented by First Bank Financial Center. That event, again, is um, one week from tomorrow. It's next Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, here's one of my heroes for the week. Now, some people, Groove's producing the show today and always, might say, oh, this guy was just, this guy was nuts. You do not do this. But you know what? There is an aspect uh, of people deciding that enough is enough and they are going to stand up to the thugs and the punks that are plaguing the community. And, and when they do that and when it works out well, I think they deserve to be applauded. Here's the story. Journal Sentinel reported it the other day. 61-year-old West Dallas man refused to be intimidated by an armed carjacker even after one of the suspects had fired two shots into the air in an effort to get the upper hand. All right, this happens a week ago Tuesday. The guy's got a 2016 Mazda CX-3. He's backing it into his garage from an alley about 1020 at night, again, a week ago Tuesday. So he's backing it into his garage, gotten home from whatever. All right, what happens is, Apparently, and this is in the 2200 block of South 64th Street. Suddenly, a car containing two teenagers pulls up to the bumper of the guy's car. 
one of the punks jumps out and points a handgun at the driver in an attempt to steal the car. The driver, instead of, this is a 61-year-old guy, instead of just cowering in fear, he challenges him. you got to give him credit. I mean, he challenges a guy who's got a gun. The teenager then fired two shots into the air, at which point in time, firing the shots into the air apparently did nothing but make the 61-year-old man angry. What are you punks doing? And he starts chasing after the kid with the gun. The kid with the gun then, being the coward that he is, starts to run away. Now, at this point in time, what happens is the second teenager jumps into the guy's car. So he's chasing the first punk. Then the kid, the second kid jumps in the car and tries to steal it. What they were going to do with the car they drove up in, Lord only knows. That's obviously a stolen car, too. Um, at that point in time, though, the guy's wife comes out and she starts yelling at the other punk who's trying to steal the car, at which point in time he flees. The car the kids were driving is apparently related to an armed carjacking um, that, um, you know, had happened earlier in, you know, another area. So here you have, uh, again, these these kids, and I say kids, they say they suspect they're teenagers. They're driving around. It's 1030 at night. They are looking for cars to steal. They are willing to stick guns in people's faces to take those cars. And in this particular case, you had the 61-year-old guy who challenged them. Now, I'll tell you a couple things here. First of all, these punks are real, real lucky that this 61-year-old guy was not a concealed carry holder because my guess is if he did have a gun with him, if this is a guy that's willing to stand up to Again, some teenager who's waving a gun around, my guess is the man would not have been afraid to use a gun had he had one in his possession. So first of all, this is the object lesson. We live in a concealed carry world nowadays, and a lot of these thugs and punks and wannabe gangsters who are roving the city of Milwaukee looking for victims, hoping that they're going to be able to intimidate, be intimidated, they need to be careful. Need to be careful because there's a lot of people out there on the streets who have fed up. They realize that the court system isn't working. They've had enough is enough. And in this case, like I said, the guy goes chases the kid with the gun. It also underscores a second thing. My guess is that when they catch these punks, they will find that it is, as always, not their first time at the rodeo. My guess is... You don't wake up one morning and decide, hey, today's the day I'm going to go grab a gun, stick it in somebody's face, and try to steal their car. My guess is that you would find one or both of them, probably both, who have been through the revolving door criminal justice system as juveniles have had their wrists slapped time after time after time, and now, you know, are out. And at some point in time, one of them is going to pull a trigger someday unless you get them off the streets. And this is why it is the shame of a juvenile court system that turns people like this loose over and over again. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was just the first time either one of these guys did something like this. But I would be willing to bet all the money in my wallet versus all the money in my producer Gru's wallet. And I suspect there's probably a little bit more dough in my wallet today, just today. I'm willing to bet all the money in my wallet versus all the money in his that this was not their first time at the rodeo. Stick around. It's 1259. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 
1019. This is Jeff Wecker. WTMJ. All right, let's talk politics for a, a segment. Six years ago, the Republican Party in Wisconsin essentially handed the U.S. Senate seat to Tammy Baldwin. Why, why do I say that and what ended up happening? You had a very contentious four-way pr- – now, this – keep in mind, back in 2012, this was when Barack Obama was running for re-election. It was, it was a year where I think any Republican candidate in Wisconsin would have had a difficult time winning. And because you, you see this, it happens from time to time. You have what we call wave elections where everybody, it seems like, who's running for one political party wins. 2008 was a wave election. For whatever reasons, people were tired of the Bush administration after eight years, and Barack Obama was at the top of the ticket, and he energized a certain segment of the voters. I, I don't think, and, and of course you had Republicans that were swept out of office as part of this this wave. Really, in many respects, didn't matter about the merits of the candidates. They got caught up in, in the wave. 2010, for example, went the other way. 2010, a lot of people didn't like what was going on under Barack Obama, didn't like the Affordable Care Act, and you had Republicans who were swept into office. This happens from time to time. 2018, there's a number of people who believe that it's going to shape up as a blue wave, meaning that people are so so dislike President Trump that they're going to vote against anybody who is a Republican as a way of, number one, sending a message, even though President Trump's on the, not on the ballot, they want to send him a message saying, we don't like the direction you're taking this country. And number two, I guess the other argument would be, well, we need more of a check and balance. If you have a Democratic House of Representatives or Democrats controlling the Senate, they'll be able to keep Trump in line. I, all those different theories, as well as the Democratic voters are more energized because they just despise Trump and they will run through walls to try to send a message to him just like people would run through walls to try to vote for Barack Obama in 2008, that 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 whole thing. So back in 2012, you have a number of, of very good Republican candidates who were running for that U.S. Senate seat. Tommy Thompson emerged, former Governor Tommy Thompson emerged as the victor. But the problem was he was crippled by what was a very contentious and expensive primary. So he comes out, he wins the August primary, but he's pretty much spent all, the campaign spent all the money that it has. And he's off the air, there's no campaign ads for several weeks. Tammy Baldwin swoops in, runs her ads, gains some momentum, and never ends up looking back. That That's just kind of how this all happened. Would Thompson have been able to beat Baldwin even if there hadn't been a contentious primary, and even if he had had Doe coming out of the primary? I, I don't know. But the fact that he didn't, I think, pretty much guaranteed that Tammy Baldwin was going to be elected to the U.S. Senate. So here we are six years later. Potentially, this is shaping up as a Democrat wave. I mean, that's what I guess the conventional wisdom says. You have not a four-way primary, but you have a two-way, very contentious Republican primary. You have outside groups. These political action committees um, financed by, you know, big time donors that have poured millions and millions of dollars into supporting either Kevin Nicholson and Leah Vukmir or demonizing the opponent. You know, you had the, the 
political action committees that were supporting Kevin Nicholson running all these negative ads against Leah Vukmir. You had the Vukmir campaign running negative, the Vukmir political action committees running negative ads against Nicholson. And, you know, now when all is said and done, said and done, Leah Vukmir emerges as the, the victor. To his credit, Kevin Nicholson has already come out and said, hey, I'm, I'm supporting her 100%. There is a, a unity fundraiser in Milwaukee this evening, um, hoping to bring together members of, of both camps to unite. So the idea is to try to avoid some of the things that happened in 2012 that left the Republican candidate crippled going into the election. But right now is a very, very important time because this is the moment where, in this case, Leah Vukmir has to define herself to the, the state in general. Not Now we're not just talking about the Republican establishment. Now we're not talking about the however many hundreds of thousands of voters are going to vote in a primary. Now we are talking about what you've got to do to win a general election in November. I will tell you this. Many people are doubtful. Many people say there's just too much of a headwind. The, the fact is that it's very difficult to beat an incumbent Republican or Democrat to begin with. Anytime you're running against an incumbent, that is an uphill battle. Tammy Baldwin hasn't done much in her six years in office, and I think that would be a fair way of describing it. But at the same time, she hasn't done much. In other words, with the possible exception of the, the VA mess, she really... She hasn't been a lightning rod. It's not like she's been a leader in the U.S. Senate um, opposing certain issues. She's been pretty much a backbencher, which means she's she's kept a, a low profile on things. So you've got that. You've got the fact that there is this anti-Trump sentiment. You have the fact that there has been a contentious Republican Party primary. Those are all things that are going to make this an uphill battle for Leah Vukmir. Doesn't mean, though, that it cannot be done. So let's tee this up. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Leah Vukmir has won the battle. She has secured the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. Can she win the war? The war in this case being the election in November. Does she have a realistic chance to beat Tammy Baldwin, or is this this just a year where... The, the circumstances, the deck is stacked against her. 414-799-1620. Can Vukmir win, and why or why not? I've got a theory, but I'm curious as to yours. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 116. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, North Hills Country Club in Menominee Falls has an important role in the success of the MAC Fund. Greg Matzik looks inside the local course, 621 a.m. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Check that out. All right. Primary election is over. In the U.S. Senate race, tens of millions of dollars were spent in the Nicholson-Vukmir campaign. But now it's all a restart. Leah Vukmir comes out victorious. There is a unification going on in the Republican Party. Kevin Nicholson's already endorsed her. There's going to be a unity dinner this evening. I think the Republican Party, I believe, comes out unified. But is that going to be enough? Does she really realistically in 2018 have any chance to beat Tammy Baldwin? George in West Bend. George, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, George. Jeff, I think uh, you're absolutely correct. But 
going to be tough. I think the people that are Republican voters like me have to get out there, get off their butts and vote and not just sit around because it's going to be tough. Because you know the people around Madison and its environs, they're going to be voting for Tammy. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people up here where I live, especially where kind of a bastion of the Republican Party. But a lot of people don't vote. Mm-hmm. And this is very important, very important, I think. Do you think yeah. having Scott Walker running for governor, do you think that helps, hurts, or is a wash? I think it's a wash. Okay. All right. Okay, thanks to call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Ron in Sheboygan. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Hi, Hi Ron. Uh, um, yeah, I think I'm not a big fan of uh, of root beer because, uh, uh, like, if you want to um, purchase, I know you're a believer in the free market. If you want to go and purchase whatever you want, and, or if you want to use your dollar and not purchase something, uh, are you, do you agree with that? I guess I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't understand what that, what that has to do with, with oh. whether Vukmir can beat uh, Baldwin. Vukmir, um, she's against the BDS movement, which means some people don't want to purchase certain items that are made in the, in the um, Israeli-occupied uh, territory. Okay. And they want to make that illegal. Yeah, I don't, don't know enough about that particular issue. I, I don't... I don't think that's going to be the the voting issue. If, if I were to give Leah Vukmir any advice, my unsolicited advice would be, I think she needs to be herself. I think in the primaries, in the primary election, what happened was you had both Republican candidates who were concerned about alienating Trump voters in the Republican primary. And look, and I, I understand that the Republican Party is Trump's party. I, I understand that. I get it. But at the same time, there are policies that President Trump has that I got to believe that Leah Vukmir doesn't agree with. Ron Johnson doesn't agree with the president's policies on tariffs. Scott Walker doesn't agree with them. Um, you, you've got Paul Ryan who doesn't agree with them. And in her heart of hearts, I don't think Leah Vukmir agrees with them. Now that the primary election is over, I, I think Leah needs to be free to perhaps, and I, I think if my advice to her would be, all right, you, you, you don't have to necessarily operate under the shadow of President Trump. I know President Trump has endorsed you. That is important. And I'm not saying that you need to go out of your way to try to pick a fight, but on issues where your beliefs and the interests of the state of Wisconsin diverge from some of the policies that the president is pushing. I think you need to say that. You, you don't need to lock step, walk in lockstep with this. If you don't think the president is right, for example, when he denounces Harley Davidson, well, I, I think you, you need to be able to call them out on that. And I think to the extent that Leah Vukmir can demonstrate that she is her own person, and I believe, by the way, that she is. If you look at the stuff that politically this woman has been through, all the battles on Act 10, all those type of things, she's got some impressive kind of credentials. But I, I think that, first of all, she needs to be just be herself, not worry about being Scott Walker, not worry about being Donald Trump, be herself. And I think, you know, that can be a winning message. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Lucas in Michigan. Lucas, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hey, Jeff. Hi, Good to talk to you. Um, so I used to intern for Leah, um, and I just want to say that Leah definitely can win this race. She's a nurse, and, you know, as long as she, you know, holds the fire to Baldwin when it's talking about health care and the fact that, you know, my dad was an Army vet, or a Navy vet, excuse me, and um, she cares deeply about Veterans Affairs. I mean, she's a she's an Army mom, so... Um, I know Leah can win, and if, Leah, you're listening, I just want to say all of us out here in Michigan, we're cheering for you, and you're going to do a great job. So let's send in the nurse. You got it. Thanks for the call. Send in the nurse, 414-799-1620. All right, here's Jen in Oconomowoc. She texts, I'm a conservative, and I'm nervous about November. Leah Vukmir might have won the battle, but I'm not sure she's going to win the war. She might have a conservative track record. I mean, she does have a conservative track record, but I think she was terrible at the primary debate, and I think she talks too much about Scott Walker. She needs to stop riding his coattails and talk about what she is going to do in Washington instead of living in the past. Well, I think... That's that's would be like I say, my advice would be call them as you see them and, you know, be willing to to come out and I don't know, identify the issues you believe in. Again, I go back to some of these things. If you believe that the president's idea of trying to start a trade war and creating tariffs is bad, don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid to call. If you think the president is wrong when he denounces Harley Davidson, don't be afraid to say that. I mean, that's, I think, stand on your own principles. Tell us what you agree with. Tell us what you believe in. And I think, again, you have somebody who has been a a leader in a lot of the major reforms that you've seen go on in the state. I think that that is a compelling message. But you've got to do something that can move the needle. This is, I heard somebody earlier today on the station was, was talking about this. One of the things that happened in the Democratic primary is it became, Tony Evers became sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because they had some polls that were out there that showed that he was ahead. And so what happened was all the other Democratic vote, uh, all the other Democratic candidates, with the possible exception of Matt Flynn, they just decided, okay, we're not going to attack anybody else. We're just going to sit around. We'll do our own thing. And then, so everybody just said, all right, well, nobody's attacking Evers. He's the front runner and he ended up coasting to victory. Baldwin, you know, benefits from some of the same sort of thing. Vukmir's got to take her on. She's got to take her on on her own terms. And I think, again, she needs to establish, you know, who she is. Call them like you see them. Katie in Waukesha. Katie, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, I completely think that she can win um, for a few reasons. Number one, I think because she is a woman, and so she can be very aggressive with her when she's debating the issues in a way that a man might be afraid to because he might come off as misogynist Mm -hmm. or, you know, being anti-woman in this day and age. So she could definitely go after her, and she's not afraid to go after her aggressively. Right. So you you think that's the case. You think that she she needs to be aggressive. You need to challenge Tammy Baldwin. You need to take her on on a variety of issues and, and just be relentless in pounding on the differences between the two of them. Absolutely. And Leah is strong in the areas that I think is, is going to be the, the issues that are going to get her elected. First of all, she is a nurse mm-hmm. and she's a military mom. And those two issues play very well into the one thing that Tammy Baldwin is known for, which is not helping out our veterans in the state. 
Yeah, the, the Toma VA thing is 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 a problem. Um, there's no question yeah. about it. Um, that that is a problem with Tammy Baldwin, and she's tried to kind of you know knock that under the table. But it but it's out there as an issue. Absolutely, and Leah is able to speak on that issue from a very personal and learned position, whereas other candidates might not. Not only that, but you know people are still pretty pissed that the Unaffordable Care Act has not been repealed. And she has a very clear understanding of healthcare and the healthcare industry from her nursing background. So she could really play into those people that are still very angry that that hasn't been overturned and perhaps get something, some movement there, a possibility that they weren't able to get the last time they voted for a senator. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, thanks for call, Katie. I mean, here, here's the bottom line of this. I think Vukmir can win. I think it is an uphill battle. I think a lot depends on how what the campaign does. I think a lot of it, candidly, depends on, on whether some of these outside groups that put all this money into, for example, trying to get Kevin Nicholson elected, whether some of those people who supported Kevin Nicholson decide that they're going to continue to open their checkbooks and, and back Leah Vukmir. I hope so. Because one of the frustrations six years ago is a lot of these big money behind some of the attack ads in the primary, once Tommy Thompson won, that just disappeared, and to which was so incredible to me. Okay, well, you've pretty much guaranteed that Baldwin's going to get elected. All right, I, I'm hoping that you see a united front and that people also end up voting with their checkbooks. Will it happen? We'll see. Stay tuned. It's 129. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Can't get me enough ZZ Top. Stick around. Pop Culture Corner coming up in about an hour. It is a musical one this week, especially given the passing of Aretha Franklin yesterday. 41 years to the day after Elvis Presley died. I mean, it's just, what what are what are the odds? Well, I guess the odds are 1 in 6, 365, but just kind of an amazing thing. Uh, let's see. With the Pfizer Forum set to open, which acts that Milwaukee previously could not attract will now come to town? John McCure, he's going to be exploring that at 3.20 this afternoon on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. John is on uh, the road, so be sure to tune in. All right. How quickly we forget. Now, let me just kind of back into this topic. I firmly believe that the justice delayed is justice denied. And, and by that, I mean... At some point in time, if you are a prosecutor, you have to decide. I mean, the easy thing to do is just to take the the file, if you've got a tough case or something you perceive that's tough, and just kind of put it in a corner and and kind of forget about it. That is not the right way to do things. What you need to do at some point in time is poop or get off the pot. You need to say, all right, this is the evidence we have this is the evidence I think we're going to have, and we need to make a decision. And I think that is particularly the case when we deal with certain high-profile matters. All right. Now, if you will think back, put on your thinking cap and your memory cap, let me take you back to June of last year. This would be June 11th of 2017. So we're 14 months ago. You might remember an incident that occurred on a Sunday night at the lakefront. This was one of those first nights where it was really getting warm. The lakefront was packed. Again, it's a year ago in June. There was a 19-year-old guy named Terry Williams. 
and he was with his girlfriend and another woman near Bradford Beach. Um, he was pulling out of one of the parking lots, and according to the sheriff's deputies, he failed to comply with, with a traffic stop. They put on the bubble lights, and instead of pulling over, he took off. Now, you might remember, because the, the video tape, I mean, the, the video of this has been released, you know, a dash cam camera. So what happens is he, he takes off. Instead of just pulling over to the side of the road, he takes off. He flees, drives um, up up a hill down by the lakefront, swings around, drives across a lot of grass, ultimately then drives off the road onto a median strip. And he's being pursued by the sheriff's deputies where there's a deputy. His name is Michael Truax. He's a sheriff's deputy. He is on foot as this car that's been trying to elude the sheriff's deputies after refusing to stop for, uh, again, what the sheriff's department describes as a traffic stop. But regardless, he refused to stop. So Truax is on, on foot on the median strip. There are pedestrians all around. This is a crowded Sunday night at 740. Truax pulls out his gun. He fires at the vehicle as the vehicle is coming towards him and immediately passing him. He hits Williams, the 19-year-old driver, in the head and and kills him. Um, The passenger in the front seat, I think, is hit in the shoulder and the right hand. The other passenger, not injured, loaded handgun found in in the car. All right, so those are the circumstances behind you know, what happened here. And again, you've got this dashboard camera. It shows the deputy trying to pull over the SUV as it heads west up Water Tower Road. Lights are flashing. The deputy can be heard over the loudspeaker saying, pull over to the right. And instead, the driver cuts through a gap in bumper-to-bumper traffic, drives across the ground at Grassy Field, heads on to southbound Lincoln Memorial Drive, turns again across the median, making a U-turn, heads back north into the median where the officer is standing, and the officer, as the gun is, as the car is coming at him and going past him, shoots. All right, we, we've seen that. That's what the, the facts of this case are. It is now, what, a year plus later, we are now mid-August of 2018. The officer remains on administrative leave. I think he's being paid. The district attorney's office has made no determination yet. They haven't decided whether or not they are going to charge the officer. Now, the family of the guy that was driving the car this week, they filed a lawsuit against uh, the deputy, Milwaukee County, former Sheriff David Clark, other officials, anybody they could think of, saying that this was a wrongful type of death. But the DA's office hasn't made any charging decision. Our number, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Some decisions are tough. Some aren't. In my opinion, the fact that, first of all, I don't think this is a tough one at all. All you have to, in my opinion, to do is is look at the video of what the 19-year-old did, trying to drive away from the police, driving in the reckless fashion, charging, driving that car at the officer. You look at that video, and I think this becomes an easy decision. All right, so, I mean, I don't think this is a tough one to begin with. But but even even if I'm wrong, even if there's more going on here, How can you wait 14 months or 15 months or however? How can you let a year plus go by 
and not make a decision in this particular matter. I mean, my gosh, the family is already getting around to suing Milwaukee County. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is one where the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office is doing a huge disservice to everybody. They, in my opinion, should immediately come out and say, we're not issuing criminal charges, and you let this deputy get back on with his life. That's number one. Number two, though, if they disagree, fine, but you know, then you bring charges. You can't let this thing hang fire for over a year. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But in this particular situation, again, I don't think this one is even close. Why are we delaying a decision? It's not making anything better. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 144. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 148, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, I, I, I remember when this incident at the lakefront happened last June. That is June of 2017. I, I argued and believed at the time that this was a justified shooting. You have the sheriff's deputy on the median. You have the guy that's fleeing. I thought he was trying to run down the sheriff's deputy. He was endangering the deputy and endangering other people who were in that area on a crowded June night. I think this is an easy one. I I, I do. Sometimes prosecutor decisions are tough. Sometimes they're easy. Fourteen months later, the DA's office still has not made a decision, which I think is appalling. If you disagree with me, all right, well, then you're wrong, but that's fine. Let's put that aside. Disagree with me, then go ahead and charge him. You can't allow these cases to hang in limbo for over a year. You're not doing your job. It's not fair to anyone. Bob in Wauwatosa. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I I think this is the, the situation where inaction speaks louder than words. And I think quite clearly they're waiting for after this election so they don't upset either the law enforcement community or the black activist community. And I think it's just a it's a political decision, probably not made with courage, but with uh, with a, an idea that we'll wait till the election is over. And then we'll make our unpopular decision one way or another. Well, Bob, I, I hope you're I hope you're wrong because if that's the case, it's it's appalling, it's unethical. <laughs> I mean, you know, it. But you know, and I'm not saying you're necessarily are wrong, but I mean, the the idea the idea that gee, we're going to make our charging decision because we we don't. We don't want somebody to be upset with us. I mean, man, if that's really the case, this is a district attorney's office that's completely out of control. Yeah, thanks for the call. I mean, I and, and, and I mean, look, it it maybe maybe this is just too much of a hot potato. We don't want to we don't want to anger one side or another, so we're just going to sit on it. Well, that's all right. That's about as gutless as you get. And like I say, this I, I'm not necessarily disputing that because at, at some point in time, after 14 months, the evidence isn't going to change. I, I mean, you the the fact scenario is the fact scenario. It's it's not going to change. This isn't a situation where, gee, we're conducting, we need to go out and we need to conduct another 30 different interviews because we need to determine, gee, we found these, these new bank records that show there was a transaction in Geneva, Switzerland a year and a half ago, and we need to investigate it. This is, at its heart, it's a relatively simple, straightforward, tragic situation captured on videotape. You've interviewed all the different people. Make a decision one way or the other and have the courage then to live 
with that decision. And like I say, I think to me, this is an easy one. It is a straightforward one. I think it's one that could have been and should have been made immediately after, you know, the reports and the investigation were conducted to have this sit around for a year. And now again, you've got the, um, you've got the family that's ended up filing their lawsuit, different standard of proof for the lawsuit, you know, different standard of proof. But families now filed the lawsuit, and meanwhile, the deputy sits on paid suspension for the better part of 14 months. Come on. Juan on the west side. Juan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, I was on Lincoln Memorial Drive about an hour before that occurred, and it was so packed. As soon as I heard that happen, I just kept thinking of all the uh, car attacks that had happened not too far in advance of that. And I don't blame the cop for shooting at all. They should have been taken care of immediately. Yeah, I mean that—that's why. I mean, once you see the, the video, you you see people all over. This is a warm summer night, you know, in, in June. It's a Sunday night. The lakefront is packed. There's pedestrians all over, and you have this 19-year-old who's driving at a high rate of speed, trying to elude the police and driving. It looks to me on that video ta- on that tape, it looks like he's, he's driving right at the police officer. There's all sorts of other pedestrians. I, I think it's a legitimate shooting. But, uh, again, if the DA's office disagrees, fine, charge him, put him to his proof. But you've got to make a decision. You can't let this hang on, can you? No, it, it's got to be taken care of right away. And like I said, it, what was going through the cop's mind, you know, he's coming at him, but you're also thinking of all the people that were run down and other incidents around the country and around the world. Right, right. You just can't let it go. No, I, I agree with you. Thanks for calling. And then, look, John Chisholm has not exactly been an example of profiles in courage when it comes to the way, in my opinion, he's run the district attorney's office. You have had... A number of, pro- and I always hate to say this, but I know several retired prosecutors who contact me on the QT and say, Jeff, you're absolutely right when you say this. Some very, very bad and I think politically motivated decision making. Remember the uh, the charges that he brought against the Brown Deer police officer, the woman who ended up getting, I mean, she just, uh, what was her name, Devin uh, Kramer, I think was her last name. Could be wrong on the last name off the top of my head. But remember, I mean, she was the one who was wrestling with this guy who had her by a couple hundred pounds and they were struggling and they're on the ground. He was refusing to get off a bus or whatever. And, um, you know, they ended up bringing charges against her. And that, of course, didn't end in a conviction. And they ultimately had to agree that they weren't going to retry her. This It's part of a pattern of some very, very bad decision making engaged in by the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office. And I, I do think at some point in time, you hate to say it, but there are a, there is a political element to this. And uh, candidly, in a case like this, to let this sit without a decision for 14 months is unconscionable. If you believe if you believe the guy deserves to be prosecuted, then go ahead, prosecute him, try to get a conviction, but otherwise clear him and move on. 154 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 157 Jeff Wagner. WTMJ, uh, the Paul Manafort jury, and I, I admit I thought they would have a verdict yesterday. Uh, the reason that they're not is there, there's a lot of counts. There's thousands of exhibits, and they're, they're going through this. Apparently, they've just sent out a note asking the judge for permission to um, to stop, to, to go to end early. Um, the, and I think you know, what what that indicates, who knows, that the, you 
you know, you really do go broke trying to guess what juries mean. It might be that they're just kind of tired. It might be that they're close on some verdicts and arguing on other counts or whatever. If you were listening at the top of the Avid show, I, I did say how disappointed I found it to be for President Trump to start talking about this case today. Paul Manafort, based on the evidence presented, strikes me as being pretty much of a of a mine run just tax cheat. That that's that's it. Now I understand that he was President Trump's campaign manager for a couple months, but if you look at the evidence that was presented, it's, it's pretty clear this guy made a whole bunch of money and then hid it so he didn't have to pay taxes on it. And President Trump came out today and said he really liked Paul Manafort and he thought it was a sad day in this country's history that he was on trial. Well, sorry, um, I, I don't understand why you, you want to back Paul Manafort at this particular time, because again, the jury will ultimately decide, but based on the evidence presented, it seems pretty clear to me that he's he's guilty of, if not all the charges, a lot of the charges. I still expect him to be convicted, but the jury sent out a note asking to knock off early. All right, when we come back, we have a Stormy Daniels update. Yes, Stormy Daniels, back in the news. And I think maybe it was one of those deals where Omarosa was getting all the attention, so Stormy had to figure out, what can I do to get myself back on the headlines? I've got a Stormy Daniels update. We're going to talk about Southridge, Pop Culture Corner. It's all coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. It's one fifteen-nine. This is Jeff Wagner. 12.08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Rusty, are you disappointed about the latest news involving Stormy Daniels? I'm a little bit surprised, but, you know... All right, well, my producer grew. See, he's a big fan of Stormy Daniels. He cannot get enough Stormy Daniels. And I have described Stormy Daniels, the woman who has turned a one-night stand, although they weren't standing, with Donald Trump back in 2006, into a cottage industry. One of the most dangerous places in this country to be is anywhere between Stormy Daniels, her attorney, with Michael Avenetti, and a a camera. Stormy Daniels, who will, at the drop of a hat, run to the border to do this or run whatever. Well, Stormy Daniels, who obviously is a little bit upset that she's been booted out of the news by Omarosa, who is perhaps even a greater self-promoter than she this all has to do with, with Big Brother. Are you, Rusty, a fan of Big Brother? Do you ever watch that? I have seen a few episodes. It's been years, not my typical type of reality TV. I agree. I, I, watched the, I watched the first year, and I thought it was awful. It came out the first year Survivor did, and I'm very proud to say that I've never watched it since then. But they keep bringing it back. They, they mm-hmm. keep bringing it back. In any event, there is. Do you know the story, Grew? You Oh, you do too? All right, yeah, of course, because you're up on everything Stormy Daniels. All right, my producer. All right, so what, what happened is they, there is a big brother, if you do not follow this. The, the premise is they take a bunch of dysfunctional people, and they put them in a quote-unquote house that's really like a glorified TV studio, and they keep them contained in there with no contact, contact with the outside world. And then they have them do all sorts of stupid stunts and they film them 24 seven, watching them say awful things about each other and backstab and things like that. So there is a European version of this. And the European version decided what we'll do is we'll have Stormy Daniels be one of the competitors as part of a celebrity big brother. Very popular in the UK. This is based in uh, England or wherever they tape it. I guess it depends on 
Okay, <laughs> what, what do you have to do to be a celebrity? I mean, Stormy Daniels is, I mean, this is, this is kind of stretching the definition of celebrity, mind you, but okay. So they, they, they bring, um, they bring her in. Well, as a matter of fact, um, okay, uh, Kirstie Alley, you know, used to, formerly of Cheers and other stuff, um, she's one of these celebrities. Psychic Sally Morgan, I have no idea who that is, but, she probably knows me because she's a psychic. Okay, so um, you, you've got them. So anyhow, Stormy Daniels was supposed to go to the United Kingdom to go into this house. Now, I'm sure on the one hand, Stormy Daniels is figuring, well, okay, this could be a pretty good gig. But at the same time, hey, Omarosa's getting all this attention. What am I going to be if I'm locked up in this house? So apparently they 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 had agreed to pay her a boatload of money. Apparently there was a dispute over... The, the fee that she was going to be paid, right? That's how this kind of all shook out. They were going to pay her a whole lot of money, and she wanted even more money, and so the, it broke down over that, right? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about when it's a normal competition, like you see on uh, US TV, it's contestants trying to win the top prize, and the longer you stay, the lo- more money you make. I'm sure with the celebrity edition, you get paid a certain amount to start with, and maybe you get a little extra more. Hopefully, you send it to charity, and I'm sure <laughs> probably the same <laughs> thing in England. <laughs> Hope, I'm, I'm sorry. Hopefully, you send it to charity. Well, I'm, I, 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 I think take this one to the bank. I don't think that Stormy Daniels is sending anything to charity. Okay, so here's the deal. She was, apparently, they had offered her um, seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Now I don't know what the pound to dollar ratio is right now, but that that's probably about a million dollars. Yeah, right? it's about a million dollars. Million say. bucks. Okay, and she said a million bucks isn't enough. I want an extra hundred thousand pounds. So I want one point, you know, one five, five or whatever yeah. it would be. Yeah, I don't know what the ratio is. So negotiations broke down, and the 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 program ha- has launched. Because they, without her, because she wanted that extra hundred thousand pounds. Well, you got other celebrities to watch as well. So, you've, you've, uh, yeah, and <laughs> the company. Okay, that that's going to be my line of the weekend, though. Yours. Well, maybe you know you give it to charity. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think Stormy Daniels and charity. Those were unless you believe the charity starts at home. In any event, um, okay, Stormy Daniels. She's not going to be on Celebrity Big Brother. All right. Uh, this is. I, I knew this was going to start out. That this, especially this half hour, um, and I'm going to warn my producer. You're lucky you're behind the glass case because my my head is going to explode. This is. We start off anytime we start off an hour with Stormy Daniels. It it goes from there. All right. There is this thing in Mosinee that is called the Log Jam Festival. Log Jam. The Log Jam Festival has been running for 12 years now. What it does, what it's done over the course of the 12 years is it, it's, it's a weekend thing. It, it happened, this year's edition happened last weekend, and it's designed to show the lumbering heritage of the area. It's up in Mosinee and the history of the, the city. And what they do is they do various, they bring in reenactors from various periods of, of time and they set up displays. For example, they had a reenactment of a Wisconsin River settlement meant to resemble the way of life the community's first settlers had in the 1700s. Okay, so that was one. So you could go to this festival and you could see these reenactors who are, you know, essentially living life like it would be in the 1700s. 
they also had Civil War reenactors. And, and what this year, it wasn't a battle reenactment, but what they wanted to show was how, in this case, a Confederate artillery battery would have looked, you know, at, at the time. So they brought in these reenactors. They tried to find reenactors from the other side as well, you know, the, the North and South, but they, they couldn't, they couldn't get the North reenactors. <laughs> they couldn't get them. They were busy or whatever. So they bring in the, these Civil War reenactors, you know, and it's not uncommon to have Civil War reenactments, you know, all throughout the area. So what they did is they brought these people in and they wanted to show a reenactment of what's called flying batteries, which is a military tactic involving cannons developed by Confederate commanders during the Civil War. So this is it's one part of this festival, but it's designed to celebrate historical things. So, all right, so you've got a number of these Confederate reenactors there, and they've they've pitched their tents and they're, you know, they're spending the weekend and then there's this display of how these like cannons and stuff work, okay? Well, because they are historical reenactors with an emphasis on historical, the, the people who show up and do these things are authentic. I mean, so they, they, they have the, the clothing they wear is authentic in that it's made of the same material that, you know, uniforms would be made of and the tents are made of the same type of stuff. And they set up so you can go and visit this and you can see what it would have looked like if you were visiting one of these, in this case, a Confederate camp at this particular time. Got it? All right. Well, during the time of the Civil War, if you visited a Confederate camp, you would have seen a number of things. You would have seen soldiers. You should have seen the cooking utensils they use. And you know what else you would have seen? You would have seen Confederate flags. Why? Because it was the Confederacy. Okay? So... Why is this controversial? Well, okay, Logjam Festival rolls around. You've got the reenactors that move in. They set up their camp. They've got their tents pitched. They've got all their stuff that's there. They're ready to do this cannon display. And they've got a series of Confederate flags that were there, again, because this would be how it looked authentically. It is controversial because there is a Milwaukee folk duo, Nickel and Rose, who were scheduled to go and perform at the Log Jam Festival. So they roll in in their vehicle or whatever, and they see several Confederate flags flying on the grounds. Because, again, there's this Civil War reenactment that is going on. So one of the, the group, they become uh, offended by this. One of them says, Confederate flags represent the murder and enslavement of black people. There is no room for displaying Confederate flags outside of a very specific and well-defined historical context, and a river history celebration of northern Wisconsin lacked this context, the duo wrote, because they know better than the organizers. Additionally, it is not the responsibility of artists of color, that would be them, to point this out to organizers, festival goers, or other performers. We hope the festival recognizes their responsibility and takes steps to eliminate displays of racism as part of their celebration in the future. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. 
Should the operators, the, and the folks at the Log Jam Festival are, are apparently, they were completely blindsided by this. They're, you know, they're apologizing. They're saying, oh, we're, we're sorry if, you know, people were offended, you know, by this. But, you know, how the Confederacy fits in with, as our Union soldiers went off to fight, there were also people here in this area, scattered here and there, just a few, that went down to fight for the Confederacy. So, you know, we're, we're sorry if people were offended. We hope to make this better. We'll look at the issue closely. But should they have to apologize to these folk singers who are offended when they roll in and see Confederate flags as part of a Civil War reenactment? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. 220. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I admit, this, this, this whole story makes my head explode. You've got this thing, it's called the Log Jam Festival. It's, it's in Mosinee, and it's designed to celebrate Wisconsin history and logging and things like that. So they do, they do displays that are period specific. One is, for example, they've got a display of what a 1700s logging camp would have looked like. All right, they also, they find some of these Civil War reenactors because Wisconsin was involved in the Civil War. And in this case, they can't find northern reenactors, but they bring in these Confederate reenactors who set up their, their camp. It is authentic, and they're displaying, you know, cannon tactics that were used in the Civil War. It's part of history. So you have this folk group that apparently is booked from Milwaukee to go up to do the festival. They drive onto the grounds. They see this reenactment that has, hold on to your hats, Confederate flags because it's period specific. And they are offended. They are appalled. They say you're promoting racism. These people desperately, in my opinion, need to get over themselves. And the folks that operate the Log Jam Festival, rather than Mickey Mousing around and talking about apologies and saying they hope if people are offended. I think, you know, they should just be telling people, hey, look, get with the program. This is a historical reenactment. You cannot sanitize history. It's not like we're driving around with Confederate flags on the back of our pickup trucks. They are reenactors, for goodness sakes. Tom in Dodge County. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, the only thing I'd like to say is, well, like you said, there's uh, logging uh, reenactments. There's all these other reenactments, part of our history. And it's unfortunate that these folk singers come in and they don't can't just look around and be like, okay, this is a reenactment, okay, of the Confederate camp. Right. Now, yeah, so the Confederate camp of, you know, the reenactors, they should, they should have no reason to apologize. Well, well, right, exactly. They're brought in. Thanks, Nicole. They're brought in to do the, the reenactment. So then you've got these preachy folk singers who say, "Well, you know, we we don't understand why you would have a civil reenactment, you know, in the northern part of Wisconsin." And to which the organizers say, "Well, all, all right, you know, the, the Civil War was part of this this history as well, and we just wanted to give people a flavor of what it would be like at that particular time." Does that then mean? that you can't have a Civil War enactment anywhere in Wisconsin, for example, even though people in Wisconsin were involved in the Civil War. Look, this is the bottom line, and this is what drives me crazy about the politically correct and the perpetually offended, which is what I would include this group. I, I understand there is real racism in this world, 
And when I first saw this story, I was thinking, my gosh, are there people driving pickup trucks through the grounds and waving Confederate flags while this, you know, this folk duo is performing? No. Then I find out they're upset with a part of history. Well, I, I hope these folks stay out of museums and avoid, I guess, battlefields and all the like. This this idea that, oh, we're offended by the Confederate flag. Well, all right, I understand that sentiment. But if you have no sense of context at all and no sense of history, well, Steve says it's the Crimea River Festival. And again, I, everybody is so sensitive to these charges of racism or we don't want people to be upset that they leave their common sense at the doorstep. I mean, can you not go to museums? Can you not go to battlefields? You know, is there no limit as we try to, I understand it's one thing to say, I don't want a Confederate flag in 2018 flying over a state house capitol. I, I get it. But if you're trying to display what history was like, well, you, you have to be authentic. And people who are offended by that as to just the image of what something was like in, you know, 18, whatever, they, they need to desperately, desperately, desperately get over themselves. You have to look at the intent. You have to look at context. And unfortunately, the, these festival organizers, you know, now they're afraid of being accused of racists. And we're going to have to change our different policies. No, no, you really shouldn't. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff, Wa- Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers are in the gateway to the West. That would be St. Louis. Preparing for a matchup against the hottest team in baseball. Just it's actually one and a half games. Separates the crew from the Red Hot Cardinals. Our Brewers coverage of Game 1 starts at 6.40 tonight. The Brewers really do need to start kind of turning around. They've been sort of treading water is, I guess, the best way to describe it. Win a game here or there, lose a couple games here and there. You know, you've got the final, what, about 40 games left. They're playing against teams that are close to them. They're three and a half games behind the Cubs. They're right now, if the season ended, they'd get the second wild card spot. But that's not a given Hey, this is this is the time to start run off about like seven, eight, nine wins in a row and really get themselves back in the race for the Central Division. It's two thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, the history and fun of Menominee Falls. John McCure, Melissa Barkley, and Greg Matzek are live from Pepino's for the All-American Window and Door We Love Wisconsin Tour. It all starts in about a half hour, 3 o'clock, on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, this is the segment of the show where we we put aside the, the heavy lifting. We stop talking about politics and elections and crime and try to, I don't know, give a, a sort of a fun start as we go into the weekend. It's supposed to be a great weekend weather-wise around here. I call the segment Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes television, sometimes travel, sometimes books, sometimes, I don't know, restaurants. Whatever kind of tickles my fancy in a particular week that I hope will be of interest to you. And in general, it's it's driven by something that happens in pop culture in the given week. Uh, this week, it's, an, it's, a, it's a sad story. Um, Aretha Franklin, who I think is... The undisputed queen of soul passed away at the age of 76 um, in at her home in Detroit. Aretha Franklin, I think, is the reason why many, many people, particularly many women, 
you know, got into music as a career. She was revolutionary. She started out as a gospel singer and then rhythm and blues and then merged rhythm and blues with gospel. Had an incredible career. I was just looking at some of the numbers. Um, over a six decade recording career, 20 of her singles, 20 of her singles top billboards R&B chart more than 50 reached the top 10. I mean, that's, that's just. A staggering number. And she wasn't just an R&B performer. You know, she had many hits that kind of crossed over. She's, I don't know what she's probably best known for. Maybe R-E-S-P-E-C-T, maybe Respect, which was an O, oh, this Reading song that, that she took and really made it a, a hit in 1967. She was, I thought, I said this yesterday, she was a scene stealer in the movie The Blues Brothers. I'm a huge fan of the Blues Brothers music. I, I loved the late John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. I thought the movie was kind of a mess, but um, the, the scene with Aretha Franklin, she plays um, the 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 owner of the diner um, where she does think. I, I think that that's just an incredible scene stealer. She's had a number of crossover songs. I'm a huge fan of the band, and one of my favorite songs by the band is the song "The The Weight." Um, if if you've never W E I G H T the weight, if you've if you've never heard. Aretha Franklin's cover of that song, you, you should, because it's completely different than the, the LeVon Helm, the band version, the LeVon Helm version, but it's, but it's just incredible. It's, this was an amazing, just an amazing singer, a, a ton of different hits. And if, if you are a fan of R&B, you can make an argument that, um, if you only had one record to listen to, it would be, well, I could point you to about three or four Aretha Franklin records, starting with like some of her greatest hits, going back to the 60s and 70s, and you could find those, and those would be tunes that you could listen to for your entire life. Which brings us to Pop Culture Corner today. We're going we're gonna to devote the segment to the world of music, and I, I call the segment the one and only. And, and this is the way, this is the scenario. Let us imagine that you have the opportunity, you only have the opportunity to take one of your albums, CDs, MP3 downloads, doesn't matter. You only have one. It can be any album you want, but you only have one album, and that is the album that you are going to have to listen to for the rest of your life. You know, some people call this Desert Island Discs. You're on the Desert Island. What is the disc you have with you? I don't know. It's just the one and only. It's the album. If you can only listen to one album for the rest of your life, what is that album going to be? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. It could be an R&B album. It could be a rock and roll album. It could be a comedy album for all I care it's the one album, though, that you're going to have to listen to for the rest of your life, that album that you're never going to get tired of. For what can be classical music, doesn't matter. It's your one album. What is it? 414-799-1620. And as we always advise people, don't overthink this. You know, just go with your first instinct. And please call quickly because our phone lines tend to jam up. Back with your calls in just a moment. Let's have some fun on a Friday afternoon. 240, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well- 
244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's the original version of The Wait by um, LeVon Helm and the band. I, I One of my all-time favorite songs. Aretha Franklin did a cover of it, which is amazing as well. Sounds completely different, but still great. All right, you get one album. Got to listen to it for the rest of your life. What is that album? Let's start with, uh, let's see, Matt in New Berlin. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good. What do you think? Uh, the Forrest Gump soundtrack is the best <laughs> album I would take one with me because it goes through so many different. Yeah. I, I was going to say you're you're cheating on that one there. That that that's I mean uh, Forrest Gump the soundtrack that's that's got everything from Elvis Presley Hound Dog to Joan Baez Blowing in the Wind to Respect to Willie Nelson's On the Road Again. That you that's got pretty much everything on it. <laughs> That's just it. You can't go wrong. You can't. No, thanks. I mean, that that is, I mean, of course, it's that's the 60s and 70s, just all their California dreaming. 414-799-1620. Mike in Menominee Falls. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mike. Uh, my album would be Carol King's Tapestry. Okay. Um, I, I guess the main thing, I mean, there's a lot of good songs in it, but the one that always sticks in my mind is the tapestry. You know, all I love is the tapestry. Uh-huh. I and, do. It, it's just to me that's like the song that I always think is the coolest. I mean, I, again, I know there's just a whole bunch of songs. No, it, 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 what's, what's interesting to me, Mike, is that 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 I, when I was in college and stuff, every every woman I knew had, had that record and just played it a lot. I mean, that that, that was. But I, it, it's no, thanks. It's it's just amazing. It was, but it was, that was kind of it. It was like like Carol King. That was the. It was. She's a, just an amazing talent, an incredible songwriter and and a singer as well. Um, yeah, that's. I I mean, I love Tapestry. I think that's great. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right. Let's see. Somebody. Uh, Springsteen. Gotta be uh, born in the USA. I would actually go if I was going to go Springsteen. I, I would suggest maybe Born to Run, which I think um, is one of the best albums. Just absolutely one of the best albums ever. It's another text. Probably the Eagles' greatest hits. Um, several for Guns and Roses. Hmm. Guns and Roses. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to uh, Rob in Green Bay. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. You know, I'm a big music guy, and, and a lot of them, as everybody said, I, I love all them, but you know what? There'll never be a place other in this world for Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> is, is that, is, is that the, obviously, that's not just your favorite Pink Floyd album. That's your favorite album, period, huh? That would be my favorite album, period. Yeah, I mean, it's so iconic, it's, it, and it's it's been so much so many years on the charts, and yeah. I, I, I loved it from the, the second I heard it. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. Iconic is exactly the word that I would use to describe that. Um, all right, a couple people texting Michael Jackson's Thriller. Well, that's, I, I wasn't, I admit, I, 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 Michael Jackson, I did not appreciate as, as perhaps as much as many people did, but uh, people love another text. ACDC back in black. Sure, can't go wrong with ACDC. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. You Hi, probably Tom. know this already, but I'm going to say Bob Seger, Night Moves. And I'll tell you, I'll take him any day over Bruce Springsteen. Okay. I think I think he was one of the, uh, he is one of the best artists that uh ever was. Why he ever fell out of uh going on concerts and stuff, I don't know, but 
I, I think he was one of the best uh, performers ever. Yeah, well, now, see, and and you know, I mean, just, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. God. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I I remember the, like their Catman Do, you know, their oh. their live album from the beginning, and and Night Moves is actually one of my very favorites. The the song itself is I don't, one of I my don't very think favorite he has songs. A bad song. Well, he certainly. Thanks. I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but he certainly got. I mean, he's got an amazing rock and roll character, and it, it is. I mean, Bob Seger was incredibly successful. You're right. He didn't quite reach the stratospheric levels that, that Bruce Springsteen did, not that many people would have. 414-799-1620. But I, I, I've got, I've got lots of Bob Seger stuff, you know, old time rock and roll. But I, I think Night Moves might be, it's just, to me, Night Moves is haunting and it's, it takes me back to a certain point in time in my life. Let's talk to Steve in Menominee Falls. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, my favorite would probably be, uh, Abbey Road by the Beatles. Okay, Abbey Road. So late in the Beatles' career. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for calling. I mean, I, I guess I, um, uh, if I had to go Beatles, I'm not sure it'd be Abbey Road. It and it, w- it wouldn't be Sgt. Pepper's either. I, I, I'm, I might say Revolver. Um, I, I'd have to think. I might say Revolver. Beatles White. I liked a lot too. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. You get one. One album to take. Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. What's your t- what's your record? Well, it's a conflicted. <laughs> I understand. It's tough to just but, pick one. I get but it. But I, 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 just because of of uh, both the music and the transition, and also with the lyrics and everything else, would be Jeff Tall, Thick as a Brick. Okay. Okay, that's a very, that's an interesting one too. That's an that's I, I'm, I, not, I, but, yeah, I'm not sure how I'm familiar with that, but at least it's. it's Basically, one big long poem, right? One big long song, both sides. Right, right. Yeah, it, it was right. It was it was coming out. Thanks for calling. No, I know what you mean. It was coming out at the same time as as some of the this experimental type of stuff. Where right, we're we're going to use the album to tell a story. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Todd in Brookfield. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hello. This is a great topic for a Friday afternoon. I I'm going back to the soundtrack. The soundtrack from the movie Country, the movie it was mm-hmm. out uh, 30, 35 years ago. Yeah, 1984 or so, I it think. It is right. an elegant symphony, and I've probably listened to it over 400 times, so I could see doing it for the rest of my life if that's all I had. Well, there you go. No, thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember, actually, I do remember the movie Country as well, and uh, lots of... Again, it, it gives you a variety of different artists that you could enjoy. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Heather in Menominee Falls. Hi, Heather. Hi. Okay, you only get one album, one CD, one MP3 that you can listen to forever. But what that what's that album going to be? I think it has to be Six Grand Illusion. Okay, tell me why. That is the first concert I ever went to live. And I know that ages me terribly. That's okay. We're all getting older. (laughs) Um, But just a phenomenal album. I don't think there's a single bad cut on the whole thing. Right. Right. No, I, I'm, I, Grand Illusion. I, a little sticks goes a long way with me, but, but Grand Illusion. If I had to pick one of my, my favorite one of their albums, it would be that. No, no question about it. Good choice. Thanks for the call. Cindy in Milwaukee. Cindy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. All right. You only get one. What's going to be your album? I'm going to have to say 
Marvin Gaye's greatest hits just because of all the types of music he covered and yeah. just his sentiment to the world and the way society was at the time. Yeah, you know, that's, I mean, you know, we, we started off talking about the passing of Aretha Franklin, but you, you look at, you know, some of those great performers of that era, and Marvin Gaye would certainly be in that category, certainly. Yeah, I'd have to, just because I believe that although his life was screwed up, his heart was in the right place for how he thought we should be in, as just people. Right. Interesting. Thanks for going. No, you can't, you can't go wrong with that one. Um, okay. Jeff, it's gotta be a Jimmy Buffett one. How about me? It would be live, she says, live feeding frenzy. Um, A1A is probably my favorite Jimmy Buffett album, and that might be if I could only take one. That would be that would probably be mine. Um, again, uh, but here's another one: John Denver's greatest hits. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Let's see. Let's talk to. Um, uh, let's go to Dwayne in Brown Deer. Dwayne, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. All right, you get one record. Okay, that would be the Aqualung album by Ooh. Jethro Tull. Another Jethro Tull fan. Sure. Okay. The 50th down at Summerfest this year was great. I'm going to predate myself here. I went to high school when that album came out. <laughs> well, like I say, it's, we're, 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 okay, we're all still rocking. We're just rocking a little bit slower. I get that. Thanks for calling. Right, let me see. I'm kind of rumors by Fleetwood. I'm looking at some of the people that wanted to wade in. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, yes, I, I can see that. Jesus Christ Superstar, um, a tremendous, tremendous play. The Platter's Greatest Hits, Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue, Fish Out of Water by Chris Spire, Frank Sinatra Gold, Metallica, The Black Album, I'm Getting Swamped, Linda Ronstorm, Ronstorm, Linda Ronstadt, Cry Like a Rainstorm, um, let's see, uh, just a lot of, a lot of good ideas. Purple Rain, by Prince, <clears throat> all sorts of great ones. Well, okay, this this is my contribution to you and my suggestion. You go home tonight and sit down with your friends or your spouse, your significant other, whatever. Now, this is 10 minutes of conversation. That guy on the radio, if you, if you only had one album you could listen to, what would it be? This is Pop Culture Corner for Friday. John McCure is on the road. We'll find out what he's got on his mind in just a moment. Please stick around. It's 2.54. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.